Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Great, you having a good morning so far? Yes, good, I am. As one of those many parents, I'm sure, who was up before five this morning, um, I'm so pleased we get to do this thing together, don't we? Isn't that good? Uh, And this morning we're going to be continuing our series looking at the life and times of Elijah. Sim kicked the series off beautifully last week, looking at how Elijah went from being just Elijah the Tishbite to becoming Elijah the man of God. And this morning we're going to continue that by looking at 1 Kings chapter 18. But if you weren't here last week or you're not going to be here next week, then don't worry. This morning is a standalone episode. Uh, You won't uh, be missing out on anything because you weren't here last week. And this morning what I want to do is I want us to look at what I consider to be Elijah's most defining moment. And just in case you have a short attention span, uh, then I just, and you're only going to take in the sort of first 60 seconds of what I say this morning. I thought I'd just start, if that's all right, with some fantastically clear biblical truth. God wants us to follow him with everything we have. God wants us to follow him with everything we have, with all of our hearts, all of our worship, all of our focus, and all of our adoration. Why? Not because he's insecure, he's not having a crisis of confidence. Not because he's needy, but because he knows it's best for us. When we follow him, we get to claim all of his promises for ourselves. This theme appears uh, as far back as the Ten Commandments. Commandment number one said, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Follow me completely. And Jesus was asked, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all all your mind. Love him completely. Follow him completely because it's not healthy to follow other things. So if that's your attention span over, enjoy discussing that at Connect Groups. Have a great week. Thanks for coming. If you've got space uh, for a little bit more, uh, then this morning is titled, Who Do You Follow? Or or perhaps, What Do You Follow? Because we all follow something. I wonder if you've ever got caught out by following the crowd. I went to school here, funnily enough, not too many years ago. And most lunchtimes, I'd be just, just around the corner of the hall there with my friends. We'd be kicking a stone around on the floor because despite the fact that we did that every lunchtime, we never remembered to bring a football. And when my mates weren't looking, I'd be sneaking carrot sticks. I was too embarrassed to admit that my mum still packed carrot sticks in my lunchbox. And we'd be minding our own business, and suddenly the sort of mob of 20 or 30 other school kids would come running past. And we had no idea whether they were running away from something or running towards something. And we were like, what should we do? Let's just follow. And we'd join the mob and we'd start running around the school and we'd pick up other school kids as we go. Maybe you remember this sort of thing from when you were young. And uh, by the time we got round towards the asteroid turf, there'd be a big mob of us all running around. And every time without fail, it would dissipate into absolutely nothing. But we all follow something, don't we? When I was at school, I also followed the fad. Hands up if when you were at school, it was cool to have a really short tie. Was that some people's experience at school? Yeah, in our school... The boys had long ties, the girls had short ties, that was what was cool. There was various fads. I remember when I turned up in year seven, the idea was that when you walked along, your rucksack bounced off your bottom when you walked. You had to make the straps as long as you possibly could. And then by year 11, you had to follow the next fad. It was that your rucksack's as jacked up as you can get it, and it's right on your shoulders. We all follow something. I wonder if you've ever tried uh, being the second car in a convoy, trying to follow uh, the car in front. This week I had to do a joint site visit with one of my colleagues and it worked really well, the convoy, until we got to about, well, the edge of the car park. First roundabout, colleague nips in a tiny little gap, I'm about eight cars behind, impossible 
uh, to follow them. And uh, this is what um, Elijah is talking about this morning. Because we all follow different things and in different ways. But Elijah was sent by God to challenge a bunch of people who were following the wrong stuff. They were following false gods instead of the real God. Uh, but there's, here's a piece of sort of important truth about the way that we follow. We often follow things that promise what only God can provide. We often follow things that promise what only God can provide. And that's not healthy for us. So what do I mean? What sort of things do we follow? Well, often we follow money. Sometimes money promises us something which actually only God can provide. Money tells you that if you have enough, you'll be happy and secure. But the reality is that it can't come good on that promise. So why follow anything that promises something that only God can provide? Well, money, it's not inherently bad. It's just paper and coins, isn't it? But when we follow it or serve it, pursue it, or worship it, it becomes something that, well, and we, because it promises something that only God can provide, it becomes unhealthy, because it's an empty promise. You could start to believe that your dream house is going to provide you with security and comfort, and then start to follow that idea. You could start to believe that your image will provide you with confidence and success, and then start to follow that idea. What else could promise what only God can provide? Your career, your family, your children. <laughs> Tim, you can't say that, it's Dedication Sunday. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? I mean, there's times already uh, in my life when uh, I've attached promises to, to my beautiful wife or my now beautiful daughter, uh, which they can't necessarily fulfill. If I attach a promise to them that they're going to provide me with a sense of purpose, uh, an unconditional love or a guarantee of happiness, but these are things that only God can provide, then that's not healthy for them or me. And can I be real with you? I often struggle with a promise of this elusive idea called future security. It's this idea that one day there'll be enough money in the bank, enough space in the house, enough retirement, enough pension, enough health, enough friends, enough family, that eventually one day, at this unattainable point in the future, I'll just be able to be resting completely secure. I really struggle with that sometimes. I follow that promise. And I'm not saying that these things, career and family and children and security, are bad in and of themselves. <laughs> but I'm saying that they sometimes promise us something that only God can really provide us with. And if we start to follow them instead of God or in place of God, then it could become unhealthy. And we see that in exactly that in 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah is confronting a culture where worshipping false gods is really common. Under King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, who Sim introduced last week, the rulers at the time, the people were worshipping Baal, who was the sun god or the god of fire, and his wife, or kind of wife, Asherah. Baal and Asherah were promising something that only God could provide. The people believed them when they promised things like, if you worship me, I'll make your crops grow. If you worship me, you'll have a better life. But the nation was in the middle of a massive drought. They were following things that were promising something that only God could provide. King Ahab accuses Elijah of being responsible for the drought, for being a troublemaker. But he replies in verse 18 of chapter 18, I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's command and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. 
and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. We just need to take a moment to appreciate the size of that table. Can you imagine the flat pack instructions on that? You probably have to go to about a million different aisles and locations and item numbers at Ikea in order to get all the right numbered boxes. But in this statement, Elijah is confronting the idea that it's okay to follow anything other than God. This morning, if you don't believe in God or you're not sure about God, can I tell you something? Honestly, I can totally understand. I can understand why so many people find the idea of following God so hard to reconcile. But maybe you feel like you're following lots of things that overpromise and under-deliver. If that's the case, then what Elijah says next is 100% for you this morning. And this morning, if you would call yourself a Christian, then what Elijah says next is also 100% for you. Often as times go by as Christians, although we still confess to follow one God, many of us end up following other things and that make certain promises in certain areas of our life. Although we follow one true God, we end up having mini-gods. We have areas of our life where we depend on other things to deliver, areas of life where God is not necessarily number one. So regardless of whether or not you call yourself a Christian this morning, what Elijah says next is 100% for you. And I believe that God is speaking to us this morning through Elijah's words. And so Elijah speaks what is arguably the most important statement and question of his entire life. He says this, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said, Nothing. And I'm going to spend a few minutes breaking this apart. I'm going to do it colour by colour, if you see here. Uh, So I'll look at first in the orange, how long will you waver? Then I'll look at the blue, uh, and then I'll look at the green. So let's look at these points in turn. Number one, stop wavering. People waver in life. I waver in life. And we waver for lots of different, perfectly understandable reasons. Sometimes we waver because of apathy. Uh, I, I might follow God one day. I might follow God with all my heart one day. There's no urgency. The Bible makes it quite clear that time is not on our side. Sometimes we waver because we have a fear of commitment. I'm really scared of the changes I'm going to have to make in my life if I really go for this. Sometimes we waver because of over-analysis. The intellectuals among us are classic for this. I can't follow until I have all of the answers. People waver for a lot of different reasons. And Elijah is encouraging us to stop wavering. And he'd say the same thing to us this morning. Maybe this morning you need to stop wavering and start taking the idea of following a living God really seriously. Or maybe you're a Christian, maybe you have been for years, but this morning you need to stop wavering and choose to follow God in areas of your life that you previously haven't given to him. And then Elijah says, if the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal is God, follow him. He's comparing the two, if the Lord is God or if Baal is God. There doesn't appear to be any sort of middle ground. Elijah's saying, you need to decide who you're going to follow. At some point, we need to stop wavering. We need to stop sitting on the fence and we need to make a decision. Sitting on the fence is not good for us. In fact, sitting on the fence, it's not a comfortable place to be, is it? In fact, it's a bit like this cartoon. The lad saying to his friend, when are you going to stop sitting on that fence? And his mate says, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Haven't decided yet. When we waver, 
Elijah's saying, how long are you going to be like a bird that flits from tree to tree but never really settles on a branch? How long are you going to be like me when I was a kid and I chose what football team to support depending on what day of the week it was? Um, well, or more accurately, uh, depending on whether or not Saints have been relegated yet that season. And so we all waver, and Elijah is encouraging the people to stop wavering. And then he's encouraging them to follow him, to make their decision and follow him. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 in the Bible, Jesus says, You cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You must choose who you will follow. And then finally, Elijah says, If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. What he's saying is, is if, if Baal is God, if all this other stuff, the money, the possessions, the career, the house, if this is your God, follow them instead. Make your decision and then do the following. Actually do the following. In my words, he's saying once you've made your decision, stick with it, fill your boots, go all out. If God really is God, then follow him. And if Baal really is God, follow him. Follow him properly. For example, if you decide that the number one spot in your life really is going to go to your image because of what you believe it promises you, then really go for it. I mean, what's the point in half serving something? Seriously. So if image is your God, then go for it. Get it nipped, get it tucked, get it enlarged, reduced, folded over, get it taken out. Do whatever you need to do to follow image. Go to the gym, get in there every day, pump some iron, get some heavier weights on. Don't ever think about death. That would be contrary to what you're following. If you decide not to follow God, but to follow the promises you believe about material possessions, then, then really go for it. Don't half do it. Get a bigger house, buy loads more stuff, fill it with that stuff. Serve it with all your heart. Don't do it by halves. But, but, if you decide that the God of the Bible is the one true God, then quit wavering and serve him with all your heart. If you decide to follow God, then actually Follow him. And I can feel Elijah saying to me this morning, Tim, quit wavering. Decide who you're going to follow and then follow me completely. I want to say to you this morning, quit wavering. Decide who you're going to follow and then follow them completely. And this has been our prayer already this morning, hasn't it? As a church family for the youngsters that we've just dedicated, that one day they'd make their own decision to follow God and to follow God completely. For Jemima, for Ethan and for Primrose, that's what we've all committed to this morning, doing everything we can to support their parents in raising them in a way which puts God in the centre of everything they do so that one day they might choose to stop wavering, follow God, and follow God completely. But in response to this challenge, the people said nothing. Elijah had laid down a gauntlet, but they needed something more. Maybe this morning you feel like you need something more. So what does Elijah do? He organises a showdown. Verse 22 onwards, it will appear on the screen. Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophet choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. And then all the people suddenly found their voice again and said, what you say is good. Can you see what Elijah's done here? He's totally stacked the odds in their 
favour. 450 prophets versus one. They get to choose bull first. Maybe they chose the most flammable one. The, the showdown involves fire, and Baal is the god of fire. The Baal prophets must have thought, yes, we've got this one in the bag. So they choose their bull, they prepared it, and then called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. They wasted a whole morning, morning till noon, waiting and hoping that what they were following was going to provide what it had promised. But it didn't. It strikes me that forget just morning till noon, sometimes we seem to spend our entire lives waiting for something to deliver on promises it can never fulfil. So Elijah then starts having a little bit of fun at their expense. Isn't it good that God and God's people have a good sense of humour? He sort of starts taunting them. He starts off nice and gently. Shout louder, uh, he suggests. Maybe, maybe Baal's hard of hearing. And then he gets a bit more bold. He says, surely he is a god. I imagine it was an overdose of sarcasm there. He said to them, are you sure Baal is really a god? And then he decides, I'm really going to go for it. He says, oh, perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or travelling. He's totally ripping into them. And, and that makes the Baal worshippers really step it up. In verse 29, they start shouting louder. They start slashing themselves with swords. They get really frantic. Still no response. Again, it strikes me that sometimes we follow things that never deliver on their promises with a similar level of conviction and personal cost. Verse 29, there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. And so Elijah steps up. He rebuilds the altar in verse 30, puts the bull on it, and pours 12 jars of water over it. The altar is sodden. The wood is soaking. Uh, and let me give you a bit of an insight here. That's not generally conducive for fire. I like to think of myself as a little bit of a bushcraft guru, maybe a Ray Mears uh, in the making. Um, but if I'm completely honest with you, I struggle even to start a fire in a bit of British drizzle. And so the wood's completely soaking, the odds are stacked against him, but it's the moment of truth. And what does Elijah do? He prays. And because he knows who he is praying to, he keeps it comparatively short. Verse 36, he prays this, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you're turning their hearts back again. He prays, God, would you reveal yourself? Would you show us who you are? Let us see you. Why? So that you may turn the hearts of the people back to you again. They used to follow you. They used to know you, but they've walked away. Maybe in the way that these things sometimes happen, that's why you've ended up here this morning. Maybe this morning God wants to do something to turn your heart back to him again. And then the fire of the Lord fell. It burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and even licked up the water in the trench. Wow. The fire fell and burned up the sacrifice. And the people fell to the ground and they cried, The Lord, he is God. What a beautiful demonstration of the power of God. Jim, perhaps you'd like to come up and, and start doing your thing. Maybe this morning you feel like you need that. 
Oh God, I just believe in you this morning. I'd go back there again. If you could just do the fire thing. God, if you could do that, if you could do that on the stage this morning, fire, I'm in. I'm there. Maybe you feel like that this morning. Ever made that sort of statement? God, if you could just do that, then I'm in. Well, can I tell you something? I believe that God has shown us his power in an infinitely more significant, enduring, and personal way, even in the whole whoosh fire thing. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, part of God himself, came to earth in a human body to live and lived the perfect, blameless life. And yet he died the sinner's death, and in doing so, he took our place. He died even though he didn't deserve to, because he desperately wanted to make a way to bring us back into being right with God again. And when you realise that what happened on the cross 2,000 years ago was God demonstrating his power, why? Because he wanted to draw mankind's hearts back to him again. Then, wow, that's better than whoosh. And when I think about that, that leaves me declaring, ah, the Lord, he is God. What happened on the cross 2,000 years ago is more significant, more enduring and more personal than that whole whoosh fire moment. This morning, if you haven't decided to follow God, but you think now is the time to start, can I encourage you? Now is the time to stop wavering. Today, decide to follow God. Today, commit to following God with everything you have. If that's you this morning, then you need to talk with someone before you go on your way. Maybe we could pray together in a minute. And this morning, if you're already following God, I think there are people here this morning who've maybe felt a little uncomfortable as I've spoken. Sorry about that. Maybe there's people who feel like areas of their lives in which they're not following God at the moment. Remember, God wants you to follow him completely because he knows that that is best for you. Maybe this morning you feel like, although you mainly follow God, you're holding out on your your money or your career or your retirement or your stuff to deliver a promise that actually only God can provide. If that's you, I think it would be good to pray together in a moment. Is it okay if we pray? Let's pray with intention. If you'd like to join me in praying, then why don't we stand up and I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to pray that God would put this message and this word from Elijah and embed it in our hearts so that we can take it into this week and beyond. And so when I pray in a minute, if it, what I pray resonates with you, then why don't you just follow it with a big hearty amen. Is that okay? Oh, Father God, we just want to thank you this morning that you do deliver on your promises. Thank you that you promise to fight for us. You promise strength for the weary and power for the weak. You promise that we will soar on wings like eagles and walk and not grow faint. Thank you that you promise to be with us. You promise to help us. You promise to bind us when we're brokenhearted. You promise release from darkness. You promise to forgive us our sins and purify us. You promise to never leave us or forsake us. You promise us eternal life. You promise to set us free. You promise to meet our needs. You promise to love us unconditionally. You promise that we will be victorious. You promise to save us, to make our path straight, to give us good gifts, to redeem our lives, to crown us with life, to renew our youth. Oh God, thank you that you deliver on your promises. And God, we're sorry. We're sorry 
this morning for the times when we've looked at other things to provide what we even know that only you can deliver. God, we're sorry for the times that we've hedged our bets and put some of our trust, some of our dependency, some of our heart, some of our mind onto other things. We're sorry for the times we've followed other things down dead-end paths. And we're sorry for the times we've pursued things that we know are unhealthy for us. God, I pray this morning, please, would you help me to follow you with all of my heart, with all of my soul and with all of my mind, in every corner of my life and with every facet of my being. God, this morning, would you help me to surrender to you those things that are unhealthy for me and instead to trust you and follow you completely. God, I want to step into all of your promises for me. And God, as we sing, I pray that you would stir up in us again a desire to follow you and to follow you completely. God, as we sing now, would you stir in us a desire to stop wavering and to give you everything. God, we want to claim all of your promises for ourselves. God, would you come and work in our hearts and in our lives now. As we sing, we open our hearts to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.